Hey everybody, a quick note before we get started today. This is a longer episode than I normally post, but when I was going through and editing, I just felt like all of the information was so important for you guys to have. You really get to be in the middle of a conversation with someone who's worked as a financial aid director for four years um, and has helped thousands of students through the financial aid process. So thank you for listening. Enjoy it. Take notes. This is a pretty information dense episode, but I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it. So I hope you enjoy it. Hello everyone, I'm Megan Brinks and this is Level Up College, your podcast to help you be the best college student you can be. And today I am very excited to have my friend Ashley Warren with us um, and we are going to really dive into a lot of the nitty gritty details about financial aid. So welcome Ashley um, and I will go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. My name is, as she said, Ashley Warren, um, and I have served for the last four years as the director of financial aid at a community college. And so I have just learned um, all the tips and tricks about financial aid and how it works. Um, and I'm just so happy to help um, share with some students about how to best navigate that process because I know it can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. And I'm really excited for you specifically to talk on this topic because I know that when you started that role as director of financial aid, you did not have a strong background in financial aid. You had worked in higher education for several years. And so I think that that offers a level of um, empathy with our students <laughs> as you kind of, as I saw you sort of navigate that role and really go from being pretty novice to very much an expert in that. Absolutely. And so I did, I started with very little working knowledge of, of financial aid and how it worked. I knew that the FAFSA existed. I knew what it was. I knew that you got free money. But other than that, the the whole system was pretty mysterious. And I, and I know that that's how students feel. Um, I can think back to when I was in college, and honestly, my, my parents didn't know anything about FAFSA either. They didn't encourage me to go through the process. Um, and so something that I love to talk to students about is a, it's free. It's a free application for federal student aid. That's what FAFSA stands for. And so every student should turn it, should submit it to whatever institutions they're looking at, because you nor your parents can confidently say that there's no money out there for you. And if there is money out there for you that you don't have to pay back that can help you support, help support you through college, um, you need to you need to apply for it. You need to submit that application and let them tell you no. Um, but what I also know is that there is always a little bit more money out there. And so advocate to your financial aid counselors at your institution. Um, that that's really. Let's go through some steps. Do you want to kind of walk through yeah, like, the process? Please. Let's, let's, let's do it in that way. Actually, if you don't mind, let's go back right to the beginning. Like for someone who maybe is living under a rock and yeah. truly has never heard of FAFSA, mm -hmm. what is this thing? What? How would you explain this to somebody who has never heard about it before? It's a great, great question. So free application for federal student aid, the acronym for FAFSA. It is an application um, that thankfully is 100% online. You can find it at FAFSA.org. G-O-V, and it is a free application. And so you go in there and you submit financial information. Um, obviously, you need to submit name. You'll have to submit a social, create a user ID number, um, a user ID, um, those types of things. And so something really important to know about the process is many of the students who are starting college, um, 
are dependents of their parents. Mm -hmm. So you are fresh out of high school, um, 18, 19, 20, et cetera. So in the FAFSA application, you need um, your parents' income information, typically, if you are under 24 years old. Mm -hmm. And so, and I know there's a lot of students who are frustrated about that um, because they're self-supporting or whatever the case may be. There are a few exceptions. So if you're married, if you have a child of your own, if you're a veteran of the military, um, some of these things will make you considered an independent for FAFSA purposes. Other than that, um, if you're 23 or younger, you have to have that parent information. Once you turn 24, it's a magical age. You're independent in the federal government's <laughs> eyes, and you don't have to you don't have to submit information um, with them on the FAFSA. So, um, so that's kind of the application and the types of information you can be prepared to submit. You use tax information from two years prior. Mm. So if you're going to start school in the fall of 2021, um, then the tax information you are going to be sharing is from 2019. So from two years prior um, to that date. Um, which is tricky, but the, the purpose for going two years back is to allow students to start the application earlier. So if they haven't finished taxes in February, they can still go ahead and start the application for the classes they're going to start in August. And that's a pretty recent change, right? Like within the last in few the last years. Three, okay. In the last three or four years, okay. yeah. They moved yeah. to um, two years prior. Excellent. Which it serves students well. Students, students are filling out the FAFSA mm -hmm. earlier, um, and that's key, is get your FAFSA in sooner rather than later. So again, for this year's graduating seniors, the application opened in October for August 2021. Mm -hmm. So we have a huge on-ramp to go ahead and get the FAFSA submitted, troubleshoot, ask your high school counselor, ask your college. It, you know, wherever you live, you have a community college or university nearby, um, and there's going to be financial aid counselors that are available and want to help you. Excellent. And so then what happens, can you just briefly walk us through what happens sort of after someone submits that application? Because that's the mysterious Ooh, part. It is. It is a magical system. Again, when things are done online, everything is very um, mysterious, magical, um, and effective is the great part. And so once you submit an application, and again, when you're submitting the application, you have to select what schools it's mm -hmm. sent to. It's not just magically sent to everyone you know, in the United States, it's not that magical. Um, <laughs> so close. <laughs> it's so close. So select your institutions. And then typically institutions will um, receive that FAFSA within two to three business days. So you don't want to call the school that day and just be like, I submitted my FAFSA five minutes ago. How much money am I going to get? Um, so there is a little bit of a turnaround. Um, but once the school receives it, then they um, they have to do some work on their end to um, take your financials and compare and put it into the process and the formula to determine what type of aid you're eligible for. Um, but the institution receives it and will be able to tell you um, if you are selected for verification. So this is a whole conversation on its own if we're ready for it, if we want to delve in. Let's, let's dive in at least somewhat. So just so that students know that that's not because that's not that big of a deal, right? If about you're 30%, about 30 percent of all students who submit a FAFSA are selected for verification. Okay. Completely random process. The school can't control it. It's just it is selected in the in the online system. So don't get mad at your financial aid counselors if they say that you've been selected for verification. They had no control over that. Bingo. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so the school will when they receive your FAFSA, 
If you're selected for verification, mm -hmm. they will let you know how you've been selected for verification and we need these documents from you. Um, so the most common requests when you're selected for verification, well, let's back up. First, if you're selected for verification, what the government is trying to determine is that the FAFSA was completed accurately and we are rewarding you based on accurate information. So we're just needing to confirm some numbers and stuff. So number one, um, they will often ask for a household um, verification form. So it will, your school can create the form. So each school has a different form that you have to submit if you attend two different institutions within a year or something. Um, and it'll truly just be list the names of the people in your household the ages of the people in your household, do they attend college? These are all things that you've reported on in your FAFSA. So again, we're just comparing the household size and the two and the number of students in college mostly. So, um, so that's one of the most common things. Second is a copy of your um, tax return. Um, and so again, it's the tax return from two years prior when you're submitting the FAFSA, you can use the IRS data retrieval tool, which mm -hmm. again, magical tool, it links your social security number that you've set up a FAFSA ID with, mm -hmm. with your social security number that is in the IRS. And when you connect the two, it'll just bring in all your FAFSA numbers. That was not a thing when I was doing my undergrad. This it amazes me. I know not. that this exists. And every time I hear about it or talk about it, I am just continually annoyed that mm -hmm. this didn't exist. Yes, I was doing that. Awesome. <laughs> Technology, guys. Oh. And so truly, if you use the data retrieval tool, not only does it save you 20 minutes keying in every number of you, your income, your parents' income, but it also decreases the chances that you're going to be selected for verification because you don't have to provide a tax transcript. Mm -hmm. If they pulled your information in from the IRS, they know that that data is correct. Mm -hmm. And so that's proven that that's in the algorithm that's, that's, that has been created, that decreases your chance of being selected because you know that right. they know that that's true. They're ver already verifying mm -hmm. the information like with themselves. Exactly. Yeah, and if you I are, so if you mm -hmm. are selected, you don't have to have that piece of that, that piece of documentation. So you might just have to have the household verification form, which is just something you fill out and you sign. You don't have to go on the interwebs and find mm -hmm. it. And so that's a pro tip for submitting mm -hmm. the fast buzz. If you can use the IRS um, data retrieval tool, do it. Mm -hmm. It saves you time. Um, so that's, that's a good mm -hmm. tip. If you do have to get your tax return, a copy of your tax return, and you don't have it, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. your wherever you filed taxes, just as a little side note, mm -hmm. um, they should be able to provide that to you. Um, is, so if you filed through a CPA or TurboTax or H&R Block or wherever, um, they should be able to provide that to you. So um, don't if you don't actually have a copy of that tax return, ask whoever prepared that for you. Exactly. And there are... <laughs> Endless options. You can also mm -hmm. you can also go to irs.gov and get a copy of a tax transcript. You can go to your like local IRS office. Um, just the the resources go on and on and on. And so um, being selected for verification oftentimes um, frustrates students and sometimes leads to something we call summer melt. And so it's students who um, indicate interest in college, maybe apply to a college, submit a FAFSA. And then so many of those students never show up. And um, we know that part of it, you know, part of it is life and happening and then deciding to not come. But also students get frustrated with the process. And so um, don't let that happen to you. Reach out to your financial aid office. Let them help walk you through that process. Um, and so once you complete the verification process, if you are selected for verification, the financial aid office does 
one by one, each student have to verify those numbers. So it does make your process a little bit longer, which goes back to make sure you submit your FAFSA early. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you're giving the financial aid office plenty of lead time mm -hmm. to make sure that they have your um, application verified and worded before you start classes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, that's the benefit of doing that early. Um, but then they verify your award, or if you're not selected, we get your FAFSA, we run your grades, we you're eligible for aid, and then we just package you and put your money on. I love it. So you, I apply for FAFSA. There's a 30% chance, roughly, that mm -hmm. I'll be selected for verification, 70% mm -hmm. chance, roughly, that I will not. Boom. If I get selected for verification, I just handle that process. I work with my financial aid office to get them whatever documents they need. Mm -hmm. I'm not selected for verification, and I get this award package. Yep. Beautiful. What What are some things that you might see on that package? How, what would be kind of some translation things? If, if someone's looking at that for the first time, they're like, what does this mean? Great question. So number one, hopefully you're seeing Pell Grants on your financial aid offer when they're sending it to you. Pell Grants, it's free money. These are federal grant dollars that you do not have to repay unless... You do not pass your classes or you drop your classes, um, et cetera. So if you take your classes, if you do good, then this is free money and you get to keep it. So um, Pell Grants, always a yes. Um, super exciting. There's also potential for, um, depending what state you're in, there could be state-specific grants. Mm -hmm. But again, the key word is grants. If you're being offered a grant, it is free money um, that you're not having to pay back. So always accept the grants. Um, so next is loans. Some schools prepackage loans. Some schools um, make you opt into a loan with the institution. So make sure to talk to your financial aid office to see if you need a loan, if there's any extra steps you have to take. Um, but there's two, kind of three types of loans, but two primary types of loans. So there is the subsidized loan. That is always your first choice. So subsidized loans, they do not accrue interest. Well, really, they accrue interest, but the government pays it for you until you graduate college. So you're not seeing any interest on it until after you graduate. So you're saving lots of money there um, with the, the no interest. And so that's based on need. Depending on what your income is, you might not be offered that need-based loan. Um, so that's subsidized. So you want to accept that first. Second, unsubsidized loan. So again, it's a federal loan, um, but interest does accrue while you're in school and the government does not pay that back. Um, and so that's so, going to grow while you're in school. So the yes. original amount that you take out is going to be more mm -hmm. when you graduate. Even okay. upon graduation. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so again, that, that would be your second choice and very, it's very rare at, at my institution, but a third option is, um, a parent plus loan. Mm -hmm. So if you have exhausted all of your other, grant and loan options, um, your parent would have to sign off with you, mm -hmm. uh, but you and your parent can take a parent plus loan together. So that is an option as well. Um, and all of this could change year to year, right? Cause absolutely. like, like I remember like my freshman year in college, I remember I got a, a small Pell Grant and a lot of uh, a subsidized loans. Mm -hmm. And then like, as years went on, I started getting no Pell Grants which was very good for my parents because um, they were making a little bit more money. Yeah. Um, but my unsubsidized loans were growing. So it really shifted over the course of the years. Absolutely. So, so you're not guaranteed the same amount year mm -hmm. to year. It is truly just based on that income from the previous year. So it's always just kind of a clean, a clean slate. Um, there are always options just taking kind of a sidebar to talk, to talk about special circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, 
sometimes maybe a student is considered dependent, but really it, it would be dangerous for them. It would be a threat to themselves to, to have a relationship with their parents, and maybe they are under 24. Um, there are special circumstances that schools do have the authority to consider on a case-by-case basis. So I would definitely direct those students to um, their financial aid mm-hmm. office to ask those types of questions. Also, a special circumstance could be this year or two years ago, I made Mm $300,000, best year of my life. Um, This year, I'm unemployed. There has been a pandemic, (laughs) things are weird, and I'm unemployed. So if I I can prove that I've been receiving unemployment, Mm -hmm. I I have not made income in 11 months, whatever the case may be, um, then the financial aid office can change my expected family contribution, which is part of the formula to decide how much Pell Grant you get, and they're not going to look at look at my three hundred thousand dollar income anymore. Now they're going to look at me as a lower income student, and all of a sudden I have access to Pell Grant. So again, year to year it could change, and this year is a really important year to have those conversations because we know a lot of families' incomes have changed yeah. this year. So, yeah. so there's two things that I really want to touch on and just jump back a little bit. First of all, I just really want to make sure to reiterate the point that if there are circumstances where you are maybe don't have access to your parents' tax information, even if you're under 24, to go talk to your financial aid office, or if you feel like you're, what you were awarded doesn't make sense, it isn't logical, to go talk to them to start having those conversations um, because we don't want anybody to write off themselves from applying for FAFSA just because they think, oh, I don't have a relationship with my parents. That's not an okay thing for me to do to go ask them for their tax returns. And therefore I just shouldn't even do FAFSA. Like, no, go talk to your financial aid office. Um, The second thing I really want to just break down for people is, okay, so you got this award, this award letter of what financial aid. Pell Grants are first, foremost, anything that's a grant, it's a yes, do that first. Second would be your subsidized loans, then unsubsidized loans, then parent plus loans, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's your hierarchy when you're going through. If you don't need to accept all of that money, you don't have to. You can always turn down any of the aid that you're offered. Um, But grants are first, then subsidized, then unsubsidized, then parent plus loans. Yep. So we've talked a lot about encouraging people to make sure they fill out the FAFSA, even if they're not sure if they'll get anything. Why might be some reasons that somebody would not fill out the FAFSA for good reason? Why, why Is there any ever a situation where you would tell a student, don't fill out the FAFSA? I don't think so. Okay. I can tell you reasons that a student thinks they shouldn't fill out the FAFSA, and okay. even more so, just some FAFSA myths, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about, I'm, I have too much money whatever, yeah. like that's a thing, um, they, that people think that, again, myth, you might be eligible for scholarships. Um, another concern of students and family members is that I'm giving them my social security number, um, I'm giving them information about my parents, and I'm afraid that if I put this information into this system, they're going to come find me or my family for something we have done or something that we haven't done, or maybe um, you're maybe you have an undocumented family member, and maybe you're afraid that they're going to somebody's going to come find them. Um, and so I just love to reassure students that, that that is not a concern, that that these are not being cross-referenced in those ways. And students who have parents who don't have social security numbers, 
can still fill out a FAFSA. So there's a paper signature page that you can print off and just have the parent sign so they're not having to submit socials, they're not having to get into the IRS system, none of that. Um, so I know that sometimes that holds students back who maybe have an undocumented parent. Mm -hmm. And so that's really something that I like to encourage students that there's still ways mm -hmm. and no one's getting get in trouble. You're only going to make things better for mm -hmm. your family. You're just you know improving yourself and your family. So. Can international students do FAFSA? Is that a thing? That's a, that, okay. that's a great point. Is So international students can, they, I guess they can submit it, but they wouldn't be eligible. Okay. Um, they, they could try to submit it, let's say that. Um, but so no, that is one of the only circumstances that a student um, wouldn't okay. fill out the FAFSA. Okay, awesome. But even if you, even if your parents aren't necessarily, um, you know, citizens or things like that, you should still go yes, ahead and absolutely. That. Beautiful. Excellent. What else do you wish people knew about FAFSA or, or where do you see students kind of shoot themselves in the foot when it comes to this process? Number one, timeliness. Submit it earlier. I feel like there's so many students that want to start school in August and end up frustrated or not being able to start school when they want because they didn't submit it early enough. They're selected for verification. Um, As an example, thing. how long does it take to process? Let's say you're, you're not submitted or you're not selected for verification. Um, just to give people a reference, like at our institution, how long does it take to process a financial aid application? I mean, if you're not selected for verification, you'll probably be awarded within one to two weeks. Okay. If you are selected for verification and you submit a FAFSA in let's say July, mm -hmm. it could take six weeks wow. for us because the, you have you have to imagine the list of students that we need to verify is, you know, 100 students long mm -hmm. and growing and um, and students are calling and they're in our office. And so we're trying to juggle um, all of the ways that we're trying to serve the students. So um, the earlier, the better. And it can it can serve us and you and any of the other students better um, if we can if we can divide our time through more months of the year and processing those. That's excellent. Yeah, help help them help you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think another thing, and this isn't necessarily related to the FAFSA process. It's a little later, but I think it's really important too. Is students who do get financial aid are not prepared to manage their money when they get it. That is such a good topic, oh my gosh. And so to give everyone just kind of like a gauge, for 2021, 2022, um, students' Pell Grants per semester will be a little over $3,000. Mm -hmm. um, depending on where you're going to school, if you're going, we, we work at a community college, and so tuition and fees is going to be less than $1,500. So, and that's probably including books too, honestly. And so you have $1,500 that the federal government has determined that you need to survive the rest of the semester. And so in theory, that money is, is needs to be used to um, for housing, for food, for transportation. And those are the things that um, we are accounting with those funds. While, and with that being said, there's no check-in, like where did this money go? There's no audit, um, but students, it's so tempting when you've never had $1,000 in your possession before to go like buy a new iPhone or you know whatever you do with $1,000 in your pocket. Mm -hmm. But I just encourage students to really try and ration that money, to use it smart, to not live outside of your normal means mm -hmm. when you get that sum of money because 
two months later, you're going to be still months out from getting another Pell Grant um, and maybe running into an emergency. So it's a great time to start emergency funds, mm-hmm. um, you know, have $1,000 in a savings account in case your car breaks down or whatever the case may be. Um, and so that's a whole nother conversation that um, is important to have just financial wellness and um, education. But it starts with financial aid. If you're getting a Pell Grant, start looking at ways to um, use your money wisely. Excellent. Um, is there anything else that you wish that, um, that you would want to touch on today or that you wish I would have asked? Talk about financial aid with with everybody is that I just feel like it's such, um, such a conversation that people shy away from and that people feel like if I'm submitting a FAFSA application, it means that I'm poor. And so literally people won't submit it just to avoid that stereotype. Um, and can we normalize financial aid? Mm-hmm. Can we normalize the application? Um, and stay on the lookout about changes in financial aid. Um, this is this is being recorded in February. Mm-hmm. And so we have had election recently. Yeah. We haven't <laughs> had an inauguration. Um, leadership is changing. And so things can change. I've, I've seen a lot of articles that they are hoping to really um, reduce the difficulty of the FAFSA application and remove some of those barriers um, because it is it is it does seem difficult and there are barriers with verification and different things and so um, keep an eye out on the process and um, hopefully it'll continue to get easier for students be more accessible for students um, and allow us to continue getting money in the hands of students who want an education. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. Um, At the end of every episode, I like to give my listeners just some homework or a challenge for the week. And so this episode is airing in the spring 2021 semester. And so what I want each of you guys to do is if you have not submitted your 2021-2022 FAFSA, go to the federal government website. I'll put the link below and start getting that filled out. And as soon as you run into a barrier, you run into a question, reach out to your financial aid office, but just go ahead and start that process. Get that submitted now so that your funding can be in place for the fall semester. So thank you again, Ashley. And thank you everybody for listening. Again, I'm Megan Brinks and this is Level Up College.